0: Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO, and Vincent DeCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer. CareCast and more pro-abundant life commentary from CareNet can be found at care-net.org, where you can watch videos, download e-books, and subscribe to the Abundant Life blog. Now, let's listen in on what Roland and Vince have for us this week on CareCast.
1: Roland, here we are in the... uh Nerve center of the pro abundant life movement here in our recording studio for another episode of Carecast. I know the nerve center, I love that. Yes, I yeah. love that. The nerve center, of it the makes pro- it sound like really serious. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, we're serious, yes, so we are very much so. You know, we're here in the the, the, the thick of fall, uh, yeah. so it's beautiful weather. You can, it's weird, we can actually see out the window, which they normally don't let us do. Mm-hmm. They kind of just lock us in this little room and make us record this, but this time you can- hey, Who's in control of all this? I, I, I don't I, We we better find <laughs> out. You would think we would know, but yeah, so we could see the beautiful foliage out there and uh, it's it's looking nice, but there's a lot going on in the news, Roland, yes. um, around our issue of life and the abortion issue. You know, you and I go way back, as you know, to our work at the National Fatherhood Initiative And one of the things that we talked about quite a bit when we were at National Fatherhood Initiative and addressing this societal issue of father absence and, you know, the breakdown of the family was that, you know, whenever any kind of social movement is trying to get traction in the culture, they focus on these kind of three pillars of culture, right? The three pillars. The three pillars. Government, business, and faith right yes. so any successful social movement tries to engage those three pillars win them over to their side and get them sort of fighting for them working for them just sort of operating according to their standards right the abortion issue is no different yes um and so i'd like to kind of hear you lay that out a little yeah. bit in terms of how the the pro-choice movement yeah. has in a, in a lot of ways successfully at least so far engaged at least two of those three yeah. and we're going to talk about how we've seen a lot of news stories recently in terms of their efforts to engage the third of those three, and the 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 first two at least are government and business. And so, talk about how the abortion yeah. industry, the pro-choice movement, have sort of won those two over in a certain sense.
0: No, it, it really is true that when when you when you look at you know cultural movements that have had traction, uh, that they they have a a concerted strategy. And and they'll typically start, you know, uh, in many cases, they'll start with sort of the government section. Let me get something legalized, Mm -hmm. if you will. If I can get it legalized, then I can get government to do that. So the government legalized it, then the business community funds it. Right, right, right. right. And then the church community is supposed to sanctify it. So you just look through movements in history. Slavery, perfect example. Yeah. Right. We had a government structure that legalized chattel slavery. Right. Right. Right, Then you had a whole business structure that funded that injustice absolutely. if you will yeah, yeah. and then the church was complicit right, right. and sanctified it right absolutely. right yep. so you see that again yep. and again and again and again and again these are kind of a focus for good or for ill right is what we see and so you know we are seeing the same kind of thing happen on the abortion issue right that the mm-hmm. government Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. and then even what you see that's in, in the post Roe environment these states that are sort of turning their states into uh, abortion sanctuaries right. Even, right saying hey bring bring all your folks who want abortions here yes right yes. so so they're legal legalizing it yes. and then the government then the business community is funding it and we've seen lots of stories about companies who are mm-hmm. saying we're for women and yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to help women have abortions by funding that by right. giving them travel vouchers by yep. giving them vacation all those kinds of yep. things not to fund them in their pregnancy but to fund them in their abortion
1: right absolutely. and so
0: the the next frontier mm-hmm. is co opting, frontier the, so to speak absolutely is co-opting the church to get the church to
1: sanctify it
0: in yes. terms of that. And so we're seeing that that trifecta of things happening around this issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in in, in one particular story that really just brings that home in a big, big way is uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California yeah. took out a billboard campaign um, actually using a Bible verse. To justify abortion, so it's again not something, not the first time we've seen this sort of thing. Right. But this idea that not only is abortion not wrong, but it's actually condoned in the Bible. You're actually doing something. You're actually doing something very Christian and very good by actually supporting and having abortions, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's actually. I mean, if you think about it, it's actually, like this is a Christian duty. Right, yes. This is actually a Christian duty uh, to help a woman have an abortion. It's actually a Christian
1: duty for you to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, Ron, I mean, the thing that's just really kind of fascinating about this billboard that Governor Newsom of California uh, took out is that it actually quotes Mark 1231, which Jesus says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these— Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that they just used Mark 1231 and saying that supporting a woman and having an abortion is a form of loving your neighbor. Right. Um, And therefore, it is a good Christian thing to do. You know, you can almost kind of see the finger wagging going on by the folks that took out this billboard. If you guys are you good Christians, if you really are the good Christians that you say you are, your Bible says that you need to love your neighbor. And there's no greater commandment than. These with, that's only one commandment, right? And so it's really interesting that yeah. they 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 left out Mark twelve thirty, yes. and just use twelve thirty one to justify abortion. But what does Mark twelve thirty say? Robert? Well, it talks about loving God, right? Right, and, and it's interesting here because you know it's a truth, but not the truth, mm-hmm. right?
0: Which mm-hmm. is what Satan always does, right? He just leaves part of it out, mm-hmm. right? And that part that he leaves out brings the fullness of what God is really speaking about in that moment, and that's really the point. It's that the the great commandment is to love. God, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then to love your neighbor, and there's more mm-hmm. as yourself. Mm-hmm. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So mm-hmm. there are basically three actors there: there's God, you, and then your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you actually look at other uh, other uh, places in the Bible where, where where that question was asked of Jesus, I know once was a lawyer asked him that same question, and then he kind of goes into the story of the Good Samaritan, and and it's interesting because on the abortion issue, what you really have is is not a loving of god right Mm -hmm. and not a loving of your neighbor Mm -hmm. but basically a focus solely on loving yourself Mm -hmm. right because if you look at the word neighbor in the greek in terms of how how that's kind of viewed it really means near one Mm. so a neighbor is a near one right right, and for a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy who is nearer than her, right, than the child growing inside mm-hmm, of her, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. And for the guy who participated in the unplanned pregnancy, who is nearer to that guy than the child that's growing inside of her, bone of her bone and flesh of her flesh. So explain to me, again, kind of using Gavin Newsom's perspective and this limited theology that he's trying to use here. Explain to me how um it supports loving your neighbor when you abort your neighbor, mm-hmm. when you kill your neighbor, mm-hmm. when you kill the near one. Explain to me how that is loving your neighbor Mm -hmm. right Right. and explain to me how it's loving God Mm -hmm. when you kill his image bearers Mm. right so you you actually have a hard time I think and this is one of the challenges I I try to present to to uh, uh, Christians who profess to be pro-choice I say explain to me how you reconcile your support for abortion with the great commandment right right Right. how do you support that how does helping a woman in the life of, of one of God's image bearers right support loving god Mm -hmm. and how does ending the life of one of god's image bearers Mm -hmm. support loving your neighbor who is that image bearer and oh by the way there's the great commandment but then there's also the great commission Mm -hmm. right which is for us to make disciples right and to teach them to obey all that christ taught us well what is it that christ taught us Mm i mean all the scriptures can be distilled down into the two great commandments Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and christ kind of living those out showing us how to love god Mm -hmm. and showing us how to love our neighbors Mm -hmm. so all that he's taught us is actually the great commandment. Mm-hmm. So it actually links the great commission and the great commandment together. So explain to me again. Mm-hmm. So how does aborting your neighbor mm-hmm. Help that person to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's part of the disciple process, actually aborting your neighbor. Right, 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 right. You see what I'm saying? So it's a real challenge from a theological perspective when you walk through this, and that's kind of the challenge I put before, you know, uh, folks who profess to love Christ, Mm -hmm. which means that you you don't get a pass on the great commandment and the great commission because you call yourself pro-choice.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: right. You're still required. So my question is, how do you reconcile, Mm -hmm. right? Living out the great commandment mm-hmm. to love God mm-hmm. and to love our neighbor as ourself and the Great Commission and supporting the abortion decision.
1: Right. I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really challenging question to ask. And I think, you know, folks like Governor Newsom and other politicians who are, again, trying to sort of use scripture, use Christianity to try to convince Christians that they actually should be supporting abortion. Um They're hoping and assuming that people aren't really going to think through those deeper theological issues. They're going to see, oh, love your neighbor. Yeah, I guess if this woman, if this woman really wants and needs an abortion, the way to love her is to go ahead and let her do that. Um, But then, like you said, if you kind of peel back the layers there, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when you're quoting one half Yes of Jesus' statement, yes. and leaving off awkwardly leaving off the first part because it ends with uh you know the the, the, uh, the these the greatest are, you know these are the these are, are the greatest, and yeah. there's, there's only one in there and so yeah um, and and
0: the, and the crazy thing about yeah. it just shows and this is truth always has this way of kind of rearing its head mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the midst of they didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. That in the verse that they used, mm-hmm. it was actually a condemnation of their whole worldview, mm-hmm. right? Because if they did, they said, "Well, oh, here's the tricky thing we'll do: we'll just use the second part, but then they left these."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm I saying? I know. I know. It's it, you just kind of get hoisted on your own petard. <laughs> <as we, laughs> That's right. Petards all over the place. We like we like to use that phrase. We, I don't even know what a petard is, but you know, it's yeah, it's some sort of bomb. I think, I think it's you a bomb. I yeah, think I think it is. I, I think yeah.
0: it is. But yeah. I, I'm sure there are plenty petard you know, activists out there. Yeah, people yeah. who understand that we'll probably we'll probably
1: get mail. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get phone calls. <laughs> we'll get yeah. Phone calls. We will. From the you know, the Petard society, society in America. Society. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're they're huge these days. Yes. Um, you, the know, mob. Uh, you know, and another target here that I think the pro-choice movement has really honed in on, and again, is sort of using very moral moralistic language as men. Yes. Right. And kind of relying on men to buy into this notion that the moral thing, the Christian thing to do as a man is to actually support abortion and support yeah. the, the mother of your unborn child in her desire to have an abortion if that's in fact what she wants. And I think it's it, it goes around this idea of sort of building out this worldview that the, the, the greatest moral imperative of our time, including whether you're a Christian or not, um, so including Christians, the greatest moral imperative of our time, is that individual happiness and fulfillment governs everything. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of Christians have sort of bought into that worldview, um, maybe a light version of it, but some version of that, that we're basically here to try to be happy. Yes. And if part of being happy and, quote, loving your neighbor in the very incomplete way that we just talked about is actually allowing or supporting or having an abortion, right? then so be it. Then, in fact, you're actually doing something very Christian. Yeah, um, it, it's just very ironic, right? It's
0: absolutely, it, it, absolutely ironic, and and it does, particularly this focus on men and the, mm-hmm. and the role of, of men and the role of men of actually supporting the abortion decision. And mm-hmm. you and I have talked about this uh, for years. That the fact that you know the pro-choice movement in many ways, you know, her body, her choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and the perspective I think to to men is, you know, you you have no agency in this in this discussion unless we give you a point of view. So. You can be bro choice, as they'll say, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. So you can. So the only option you have is actually to support her in the decision that she makes, even if even if the de- decision is an immoral decision. Mm-hmm. That the, the right thing to do as a man is actually to support her in that decision, yeah. and that kind of leads back to that. And we're not called, as you know, from a Christian perspective, it's not about happiness; it's about holiness. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. holiness be, and, and holiness means being set apart in terms of how we think about issues. Mm-hmm. And we're set apart to think about those issues the way that God thinks about those issues. And that's why, again, going back to the great commandment, loving God Mm -hmm. is basically adopting a worldview, a way of thinking about all the issues of life, the most important issues of life, Mm -hmm. thinking about them with the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how that's actually how you love God. You actually think about and act on issues based on the mind of God. So. You really have a problem when you're when you're trying to kind of exclude men from this discussion, uh, because we are called really in, in a big way as men to really be protectors and providers mm-hmm. in a big big way, right. and especially towards the vulnerable,
1: especially Absolutely. towards yeah. the vulnerable. But I think our you know over the last several decades our culture has just done a an unfortunately masterful job of really sort of building a lot of complacency in men, right, yes. around this issue in particular. You, ba- you basically, like you said, if if we want your opinion on abortion, we'll give it to you. Yeah. And I think men have sort of been trained yes. a- in a certain sense, quote unquote, to basically wait for the culture's cues. So you just tell me what I'm supposed to believe about abortion. And so in that sort of environment, it becomes much easier to kind of come in with this very moralistic and or moral sounding way of basically giving men an out in a sense yes. like, oh, no, this is not some neutral position. This is actually this actually makes you a good person. Right. To believe what we, the pro-choice movement, believe uh, about abortion. In yeah. fact, you could even find it in the Bible. Right. <laughs> right exactly. You know, and so that's like for somebody who's kind of complacent and is waiting to be told what to believe or what mm-hmm. to say, that can sort of be comforting in a in a in a, a negative way. Yeah. Right. Um, and so and, and, you know, and I think, you know, one last place again where again, this is, what we're seeing in the news is, you know, we're about to come up on an election here, a midterm election, and you're seeing lots of politicians mm-hmm. really sort of going after religious voters yes. with this idea that you, a, you, as a religious voter, should actually support my pro choice uh, position and you yourself should be pro choice. Because you are religious, yeah. Um, so it's again it's this concerted effort to get that third pillar to sort of sanctify abortion yeah. and use. Because obviously, with the overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade in June, it's, abortion has sort of become more of an issue in the in this election than it probably otherwise would have been. And so both sides are sort of jockeying for position and trying to you know kind of get their get their votes, get their base, and uh, and it's so it's just interesting to see. The tactics that the pro-choice movement is using to sort of try to take advantage of this cultural moment and actually use religion to yeah. try to make their case yeah. with with religious voters. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Let's get back to these three sectors, these these three pillars of culture that movements try to affect in order to get their worldview sort of pushed through into the culture: government, business, and faith. And when it comes to that faith sector, you know what you talked about was, you know, the goal there is to really sanctify abortion, right? So that the church and, you know, believers come to believe somehow that abortion is actually a good thing. So it's this idea of sanctifying abortion. But there's another side to that coin that we also see happening. And why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So really
0: it's the desanctification, if you will, Mm -hmm. of what is good and what is true and what is right. Right. So you have a a sanctification of what is wrong Mm -hmm. and a desanctification of what is right. In other words, like calling what is evil good and then calling what is good. Right. And we and we see that. And and one of the ways that's been manifested, certainly uh, since the Dobbs leak and then Mm -hmm. further after the Dobbs decision is the attack on uh, pro-life pregnancy centers, Mm -hmm. uh, pro-life people and pro-life organizations, uh, both physical attacks that we've seen, uh, certainly Mm -hmm. in our affiliated network of pregnancy centers, you know. Fire bombings, you know, yep. bricks thrown through windows, graffiti, uh, yep. all those kinds of things, even pro-life people being attacked right. personally uh, as they've been trying to do the work that, you know, God's called them to do. So right. if you think about that through this kind of construct that we've kind of laid out here, it really is it's the desanctification. We're trying to say that those who are doing this work to preserve life are actually doing an unholy act.
1: Right. They're lying to women. They're deceptive. They're doing all these terrible things. Absolutely. And again, you see you really see these three pillars of culture come into play. So you have people in the government trying to pass laws and regulations that make it difficult for pregnancy centers to do what they do. Or turning a blind eye right. to right. the violence. Right. Uh, or turning a, yeah. You see the business sector, you, you know, you see um, companies, you see people in the private sector funding studies absolutely. about how terrible pregnancy centers are. Yes. You see, you know, corporations making public statements about, you know. You know be careful for these folks you know these are not these are quote fake clinics okay.
0: social media campaigns that are that are orchestrated and yes. used through those platforms in order to block right uh, the message that that pregnancy centers would, yeah, would bring into tech the
1: companies making it as difficult as absolutely possible.
0: so you got government you got the you business, got, community. you got
1: business and then of course the faith community like you said folks saying that no actually these people are the unholy ones they're the yes. ones that are lying and, and deceiving and you know to love your neighbor you need to actually support abortion. Absolutely. So it's just it's just fascinating to see this strategy play out. You know, even though it's of course for a nefarious purpose, you could sort of see how this could be used for good or for evil. Yes. Um, and it's just consistent really across that.
0: And it, and it, and here's the thing about it, mm-hmm. it's like Scripture says, "There's nothing new under the sun." Mm-hmm. It's actually not a new strategy.
1: Yeah. You talk about how we, how do we know that this strategy actually works or that people have used it for really bad things?
0: Well, we saw it, frankly, in the crucifixion of Christ mm-hmm. and what happened there. Because what would what happen? Well, we had the church sector, if you will, which was represented by the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right, coming together to, to bring Christ to who? The government structure, which was Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm. right? The Roman for, government, right? Roman <laughs> government. And who set the whole thing up? What well, was a consumer transaction? Right.
1: Where... Yeah. who was given money. Yeah, Judas was given money. He was given money. He was basically paid to perform an abortion That's in exactly, a certain sense. Right, because abortion is basically
0: killing the life that you know. And we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the abortion, when you think about it in that context, is actually the ending of a life that you know is life, but you come to, to the, the... innocent deter- life. and An innocent life, yeah. right? But you come to the determination that this is a life not worth saving, Mm -hmm. but a life worth sacrificing. And and for whom? For yourself. So instead of loving God, who Christ represented, Mm -hmm. loving God, your neighbor, which Christ also represented in the humanity, you loved yourself
1: you see what I'm and saying? Took, and you and sac- took money.
0: Right. And you took money and you sacrificed an in- innocent one. So yeah. you see the three of those things coming together for the biggest injustice that's ever happened right. in, in, in human history, which has been the crucifixion of Christ. Right. So that's where this comes from. It's not a new strategy. Yeah. It's actually an old strategy. Right. Yeah. And it's one that really comes from, you know, the evil one doing the work that, that he does. Because we know that our battle, again, is not against flesh and blood, but what? Yeah. So forces of evil, right. dark right. forces of evil in right. the heavenly realms and right. And and uh, this issue uh, that's in the public square today comes from the same source.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know the the good news, uh, the other side of that coin is that of course this is a a strategy that can obviously be used to do good too, right? Yes. So pro life people and pro abundant life people, as we as we like to, to think of ourselves as being, you know, we, we can also use the government sector, the business sector, and the faith sector yes. to actually do good, right? Yes. And we need to be doing that, right? Um, and we will continue to do so. So I think, you know, we'd like to close out sort of, you know, with a a word to the wise, so to speak. So for our listeners to, to realize that, you know, when you see news stories come up, when you see something happening in our culture around this issue, sort of ask yourself this question. Who what is the pro-choice movement or the abortion industry? Yeah. Who are they trying to manipulate or affect here? Is it, are they trying to affect government? Are they trying to affect law? Yeah. Are they trying to affect the business sector? Are they trying to affect the church? And you can kind of see the strategy that way. It, it, yes. start, it starts to make a lot more sense. Oh, I see why they publish this particular news story because they're trying to get this to happen or they're trying to get this law passed or they're trying to get this business to do this. Like they're trying to make Google do something. Right. right. Or they're trying to make Senator X do this. Absolutely. Or they're trying to get church leaders to sign off on abortion. or you Right. Yeah, it's all it's all that together. And what that does is it gives you the wisdom of how to respond. Right.
0: Right. So if it is in the government sector, then you know that you have to have sort of a government response to that in terms of how you do that. In other words, you need to be calling the government to protect the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. If it's in the business sector, then what do you need to be doing? Well, you need to be calling the businesses forward to protect the vulnerable. So if you have companies that say, well, we're going to give all this money to help a woman have an abortion in whatever state she wants, Mm -hmm. well, As a consumer, you you need a challenge and say, well, what are you doing to help a woman bring her child into the world? Because you can actually see how helping a woman have an abortion through a business transaction, right, actually is good for business. She doesn't have to leave work. She's not off time. She's not all the issues that come with with, with parenting and all that stuff. They don't have to pay maternity leave. absolutely. So it's actually a cost-effective thing. It's not a righteous thing, if you will, to help a woman have an abortion through a business construct. It's actually purely... A mercantile sort of transaction, and then in 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 the faith sector, you have the same kinds of things. If we have those who profess to be uh, followers of Christ, who then want to support a pro-choice worldview, then you have a way that you talk to them in, in the context of help me understand again how supporting abortion. Okay. Fulfills the great commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. and also how it fulfills the great commission to make disciples and to teach them to obey all that I've taught you. All so right. you have a strategy against each one of those kinds of of, of areas where mm-hmm. uh, the pro-choice movement or any movement for that matter tries to challenge what God has put in the public square uh, to be righteous and to be just.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a great great place to stop. Thank you, Roland. All right, all right. We hope you enjoyed this episode
0: of CareCast. For more pro-abundant life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, eBooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro-life passion into pro-abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.